Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition, actually the fifth edition, of Fast Horses, Slow Whiskey. This is Hunter Rankin of Sagamore Racing, and um, unfortunately, and actually fortunately as well, Brian Tracy um, was unable to join us today. He's actually on a plane to um, New York, up, upstate New York. They're going to open upstate New York um, for Sagamore Spirit, but uh, that loss is our gain because we have a huge show today. This is big. Johnny, this is really, really big. We have two CEOs on the program today, two. Count them one, two. Tom Geddes of Plank Industries, the CEO of Plank Industries, Mr. Tom Geddes. I think he's already knighted now. <laughs> um, he is actually originally from London or outside of London, uh, and uh, he joins us today all the way from downtown Baltimore, where his office is up here at Sagamore Farm. But uh, we appreciate you joining us and helping Brian out by uh, co-hosting. Great to be here. So it's uh, it's a big show, and I, I before we get to horse racing and and whiskey and 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 Bill Carstangen, who is another CEO and our guest today, by the way. Uh, I got to ask you because you're with Kevin possibly more or as much as, as anyone on our side of things. Yep. Uh, and w- when I say our side, I mean plank industries, all the Sagamore <laughs> businesses. Um, does he listen? Two part question. Two part question. Does he listen to the podcast? And then second part, if the answer is yes, are you the hatchet man? Have you come here to fire me today? Live on air? <laughs> Uh, number one, I mean, I'm sure he listens to the podcast. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, right. So that's the first right. thing. Um, number two, we'll see how the interview goes. Let's okay, see how things all right, go. all right, good. I like to keep options open. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here on the farm, uh, it's a beautiful day here at Sagamore, um, and uh, but here on the farm, we've actually recently had our fourth foal. Uh, it's another filly. We have four fillies, no colts, and uh, so that's really exciting. It's a filly by Hardspun. Uh, out of La Milanesa, which you're familiar with La Milanesa, and she's been here a while. Yeah, I, I actually got here early today and went down and visited. Did and, you? Uh, yeah, the, the fall was having a good snooze, and mom was had, had a few things to say. So yeah, it's Debbie, always so fun to go see him. See Debbie and Graham down there. Yeah, taking yeah. care of it. That's it's it's really exciting this time of year. You know, it's like. Um, it's like the promise of tomorrow, you know. So yeah, I think Paco got to see his first foaling last night, and I think he thought he was just coming to view it, but uh, ended up having to participate. So. Oh, really? <laughs> he was still looking a little shell shocked, but two Paco, two Paco Shakur. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. Anyway, so uh, and on the racing side of things, we uh, we ran a horse called uh, Shoe Love Shoe mm-hmm. uh, last week. He actually came out of the race with a little bit of a lung infection. Um, we expected a little more from him that day, but, uh, we'll, uh, we'll regroup with him and get him back in Maryland. And, uh, he's still going to be a very nice horse and we'll run him Preakness day. Well, with that name, you know, he's a lifelong winner. That's right. That's for sure. That's right. So. That's right. The, the Japanese American horse. Yep. 
Um, and then um, I think that's it on the racing side. We're, we're quite, February's a little bit quiet, mm-hmm. uh, but the two-year-olds uh, are kind of kicking up. So we'll uh, we'll send our first group actually to Horacio uh, on uh, Saturday. Well, it'll be sometime this week. Okay. Sometime this week. So we're very excited about that. They'll join Horacio down at Palm Meadows, and then uh, come up with the group uh, when they come up. So pretty exciting stuff for for the racing side of things. Um, as always, I want to remind the the, the listeners that uh, this podcast is brought to you by Sagamore Spirit, Sagamore Rye. You can follow Sagamore Spirit and Sagamore Rye on Twitter and Instagram uh, at Sagamore Spirit uh, on both of those sites or both of those services whatever you call those handles things. i think we handles. Call them. there you go yep at sagamore spirit uh and then facebook is just sagamore spirit and of course sagamore racing is at sagamore racing on both twitter and instagram and sagamore racing on facebook uh and then sagamore racing.com and sagamore spirit.com it's a mouthful it is and then there's always at tom gaddis if you're really looking for the good yeah, stuff at tom, so, at, yeah. you got to retweet this because yeah. um last last week we had 18 listeners uh we're up a little bit um, we're actually growing exponentially when you, you know, I mean, we started with three, yep. so, uh, it's like a 10,000% gain, but, um, anyway, we're pretty excited about the, the, uh, the momentum of the podcast. Number one listener is CFO Phil Akins. CFO it's, Phil Akins. His car actually doesn't start now unless the podcast is playing. So oh, really? yeah, it's, it's cued into the ignition. I actually, I was, I was, uh, you know, you, you see the data, um, that comes back about, you know, where the downloads are and all the stuff. And, um, I was I was looking at the, the it tells you what countries they were downloaded mm-hmm. in or whatever, and so I'm looking at it and so one's London England and I'm like that's odd who would <laughs> who's who's that guy and then I realized my best friend lives over there right now and he's the he's guy. the listener <laughs> yeah Andy Paradis <laughs> there you go there you go we'll take it but we do have one in Singapore must be one in Tokyo there has to be one yeah, in Tokyo yeah, Shoe loves Shoe well, there yeah, will be now yeah yep. yeah Shoe so anyway we're pretty excited about uh, about the podcast so. And uh, you're, you're gonna you're gonna really help the. Oh, the it's going viral. Yeah, I mean, totally. Let's just be clear. So let's let's before we get to um, to our, our guest, and uh, this is a big guest. It's a really big deal. Bill Carstange, and CEO of Churchill Downs Incorporated, the parent company for Churchill Downs, the racetrack, the Kentucky Derby, uh, a bunch of casinos, um, a gaming company out west, a. Um, uh, uh, other racetracks, uh, really exciting stuff for us and for our, for our industry. So he doesn't do that many interviews, so we're uh, we're excited to have him on. But I want to get to uh, you and, and what you do a little bit because I think it's it's very interesting for our again our audience of eighteen uh, to, to for you to talk about Kevin and what he's doing and and has done and wants to do. Um, and there's really no better person to talk about it. So. Um, let's recap him and Kevin and what he has going on outside the company. And then I just want you to add it all up for us and, and kind of tell, tell tell the audience where we're going. Sure. He's rebuilding a city essentially. Um, maybe not rebuilding, but making a city better mm-hmm. by, um, by what he's doing in Port Covington with that investment down there. Uh, he's finishing a whiskey distillery actually in that, in that development, um, which is obviously the Sagamore spirit, uh, distillery. That'll be finished here in the night. It's they're moving in now. Uh, he's finishing a hotel, the Sagamore Pendry, which I actually toured yesterday. It's it amazing, is it? unreal, and I'm I'm biased, obviously, but anybody that walks in that building and you get a it 
It's so special and you, so remarkable. The, you could be anywhere in the world, right? I mean, you're just transported. You could be in London or San Francisco. And the thing no. that I was surprised by, by was, and not to spend too much time on the hotel, but the courtyard rooms, there, there's, for those who are not familiar with, of the hotel, the hotel sits on a pier. And so it's surrounded by three sides on water. And then on the inside is a really cool courtyard. The courtyard rooms actually, to me, almost look more desirable than the than the um, the water view. Yep. I mean, I, it, and who would have thought that? It's amazing. My favorite room is the one in the in the back behind the uh, the the big presidential suites. To look out over yeah. the water. There's the room, uh, one room that looks straight back on the courtyard, and it's stunning. Oh, it, yeah. so back at the like down the pier. Yep, exactly. Oh yeah, wow, that's beautiful. That's cool. It's yeah, beautiful. I didn't see that room, but I. It's so special. It's going to be great for Baltimore. It's going to be great for um, for that area, Fells mm-hmm. Point, and everything. So, so there's a hotel. There's obviously a horse farm, which we're sitting on right now. There's boats. Uh, there's a water taxi business. Um, so, there's a there's a creative company that helps us kind of tie all this thing together with brand and everything else. But add all that up for us, and what does it mean? How does Kevin look at the world in the in terms of Baltimore, and and what's the what's the goal? A lot of people ask, how, what does it all add up to? And, and how does horse racing relate to whiskey, relate to development, relate to uh, venture capital investing, entrepreneurship, all of these pieces? And I think there are really two common themes. Um, one is obviously geography. This is about Baltimore. It's about Maryland. And, and it started here at the farm. And, and the farm is such an inspiration for the other brands. It's where the names came from. Everything is called Sagamore because of this place. Um, but the other theme I think that runs through it all is excellence. And I think that's something that was born here at the farm, too. I mean, it's, it's something that was born with Under Armour and with the way Kevin thinks about um, his team, the way he thinks about his company, the way he thinks about performance. But when he acquired the farm in 2007, I think very quickly he wanted to set a standard of excellence. And, and he early on said, we are not the savior of any kind of industry. We are not uh, spending a lot of time and money um, engaging you know, very heavily in the, the Maryland horse industry or beyond. We're going to invest inside the fences. And that's a phrase that I think we've we've used in a lot of areas, not just around the farm. But that investment inside the fences had to be through a lens of excellence. So whether it's you know having the beautiful white foreboard fences, whether it's how the barns look, whether it's how the horses are treated, whether it's how the team feels, how the team performs, um, that's what it all adds up to. And, and that's a theme that we've carried through all of these other businesses. So Sagamore Rye is a good example. It, it begins and ends with the product. And... Fortunately, the product is excellent, and and so you know we've now we're building an excellent team. We've built a world class distillery, which I just toured yesterday, and is is going to be a stunning attraction. You know, we hope it'll bring a hundred thousand people to Baltimore every year just to come see the distillery. And uh, obviously, we have uh, national ambitions for that brand and for that product. So, the real estate development is the biggest piece of it all, and and we want to make sure that all these themes we're bringing from the other businesses will translate into what that will look like. And and part of Kevin's motivation for acquiring so much waterfront land was number one, obviously create a home for Under Armour, make sure they could stay here in Baltimore City. And only they were really only able to do that on the scale they were able to do it because of him. Um, but number two, to build something special. And I think uh, that's another theme that, that runs through it. And I will tell you, Hunter, this farm is a special place. And you know, getting here early this morning, driving around and seeing the guys, shaking hands and visiting the falls, and you can just feel it. It's a happy place. It's a place where everybody's working as hard as they can, and it's a place where people people are ready to perform. So... That's a theme that that sort of runs through all of it. And I think um, for Kevin, it's about, you know, we have the ability and the opportunity to really move the needle on a, on a city like Baltimore and a a state like Maryland and to, to focus our investments here and make sure that um, the most we can achieve, we achieve here. So uh, that's, I think what it all adds up to. It's it's, it's very cool. And and if you haven't 
been able to experience um, Kevin Plank or or Sagamore type hospitality. It's um, it's I think we talk about it all the time among ourselves, but but hospitality runs within Kevin's DNA and um, our the the experience that he is in is creating um, in Baltimore for the visitor uh, in terms of a horse farm, a whiskey distillery, a hotel, um, water taxi, a water taxi, all, all the things that kind of add up to this Baltimore experience that I think is going to be so unique for not only our people that, that we have in town, uh, you know, we're having a, a group come in in a couple of weeks and we're going to kind of give them a tour of Under Armour and a tour that, but it is, um, it's for for everybody. It's for Baltimore, and it's going to really it's going to really improve the city, and it's going to really improve the experience of of the tourist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, ultimately, that type of experience makes people want to live here, makes people want to work here, um, and it's a big bet on a city that really nobody's betting on. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you say? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, very very exciting. So what does Tom Geddes do? <laughs> day to day i know i know that that varies a lot and i know it, it varies from political type meetings i know it from uh charitable giving uh i know you know kevin's got a the cupid foundation mm-hmm. um i know cupid's cup is coming up fairly soon uh so it, it's i know it encompasses obviously the farm sagamore development um sagamore spirit but what is what is your day like or your week like every week I wish I knew at the start of the week what it was going to look like, but uh, but I never do. So I actually, I divide my job really essentially in two. So there's the kind of CEO Plank Industries role, which is focused on these businesses that we have, all of the Sagamore brands. And my my main job there is really to try to provide consistency across everything that we're doing because every, anything that has three diamonds on it reflects Kevin. So we want to make sure that from brand to how we engage with the outside world to how we treat our people to um, that sort of standard of excellence I was talking about to um, how we deal with partners, all of those things. We want to have consistency, even though these businesses are very diverse and different from each other. And uh, each president of each company, yourself included, has you know very significant autonomy in how they run their business, the team that they build, the decisions they make. And really, I see my role primarily is to get out of the way and to make sure that you can do what you need to do to be successful and that I am only really there and really engaged when you need me and when I can be supportive, when I can help you make decisions. Um, and, you know, sort of a role as mind reader in chief for Kevin, too. And, you know, he's a very busy guy. Um, and my job is to kind of to be where he's not and hopefully to help um, everybody make decisions that would reflect what he would want to do. And we're fortunate to have a team of leaders who are likely to do that anyway, but uh, but are good about calling me or, or setting up time with me when they want to want to bounce things off me um, around those kinds of issues. So that's sort of 50 percent of my role on any given day. It might be 20 percent. It might be 80. Um, yeah. And then the other half is really Kevin. And you sort of alluded to it that. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to, number one, sort of run the family office component of it as well and make sure that he's able to do what he wants to do in life. But number two, to help him with his engagement with the world, whether it is on a public policy perspective, philanthropy, civic engagement, um, representing him in, in rooms where he you know, would love to be but doesn't have time to be. Um, and that's really important, too. And I, you know, my, my goal is to leverage him so that he can focus 100% on Under Armour. He can still achieve everything he wants to outside of Under Armour, but his day-to-day, there's nobody better in the world than him at running that business that he built from from his grandma's basement up to what it is today. So so it's really a sort of dual role. The, the two roles obviously complement each other because everything we're doing on the business side is designed to add up to something bigger in terms of his vision for our city and, and his bigger vision beyond that. 
Um, and uh, it's unpredictable for sure. Yeah. You know, you never know what the day will bring. And, um, you know, one of my great pleasures is coming out here to the farm where things uh, you can sometimes take a little bit of a step away and you can yeah. go out and see the guys doing their work. And while it's a busy place, it's also a very, very beautiful and relaxing kind of uh, setting. So yeah, we're very fortunate sure. to have to have this place. But so that that's the role. And uh, every day is different. You know, yesterday I was in Annapolis in D.C. Today I'm at Sagamore Farm in downtown Baltimore. And, uh, um, you know, a little bit of travel. I'm lucky I don't have to travel a crazy amount, sometimes with Kevin, sometimes just, you know, regionally by myself, taking care of what we're, what we're getting done. But uh, it's the best job in the world. Of that, well, I have no you, doubt. You referenced um, his, obviously, Kevin's schedule and how busy he is. And, and you referenced our autonomy, um, uh, not only as, as leaders of a business, but also um, your autonomy as leader as a leader of plank industry. So, um, do you does that ever is that ever unnerving? I mean, I I know out here sometimes I'm I'm thinking, golly, you know, I hope I made the right call on that one. <laughs> um, but um, is it is it ever a situation where do you have if you can't get a hold of Kevin or you don't want to go to him with a certain thing or do you have people that you trust that you call? Do you have a mentor? Do you have somebody that you can bounce things off of? I mean, I. I because as in your position, it has to be, like I said, unnerving mm-hmm. in some cases to make these decisions because you you are left with some pretty big ones. Yeah, I think you know very early on. Um, and no, number one, there's been a huge evolution. You know, I think of of our team, of everything we're doing, and of my role from from my first day about around five years ago to today. Um, and I think my relationship with him and my understanding of him has grown so much that I feel a lot more comfortable that I'm, you know, making decisions that I think he would make himself or would approve sure. of. And number two, it's critical to know when it is a decision you have to elevate to him. And, and, you know, he, he knows if I call, it's important and he picks up because I, ne- I never call if I don't need to. Yeah. So, um, it is a, it, there's a lot of responsibility, but, uh, rather than a mentor or somebody I call from the outside, I think what I rely on much more is my team. Yeah. And, uh, that's the only way people ask a lot of times I'll describe what the job is and the scope of it and all the different pieces it includes. And people will say, how on earth can you manage all of that? And the answer is simply one word, which is team. Yeah. And uh, I'm fortunate that, you know, across the presidents of the businesses and then the people most immediately around me that I have people I trust implicitly and who I know have my back and have Kevin's back and see them as one as the same, one of the same. And, you know, that's the only way to get it done. So we have people on our team who've known Kevin a long time, um, who know what he's passionate about and cares about, who care about him and his family. And, uh, I don't know how you would do it if you didn't have that. Yeah. That would just be impossible. Well, we, we love every single minute of it. And, and, you know, Brian would say the same thing if you he were here, but it's just, um, it's an amazing place to work. It's what we're doing. I think we all believe in it. I know we all believe in it. And um, carrying out um, a special guy like Kevin's vision is is so is so amazing. So it doesn't mean you don't screw it up sometimes. That's right. That's, that's right. Sure. Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we appreciate you joining us. And uh, this won't be the last time, obviously. Yeah, for sure. uh, but uh, let's 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 switch gears to Bill. Great, Karstangen. Uh He is the CEO of of Churchill Downs. Actually, he made an appearance on Undercover Boss. Maybe we'll, we'll we'll ask him about that. That CBS show, remember that thing? Well, actually, that's what I came here to do today. But I, somehow I got picked <laughs> out, so I, <laughs> I got spotted. Yeah. Yeah. I should have driven a different car or something. Yeah, I guess. Randy spotted you. <laughs> um, so uh, no, so he he did the Undercover Boss. That was right about the time that he was being elevated to either president or CEO, and he is now the CEO of, of Churchill Downs. Like I said, and. Um, responsible for a lot so it'll be really fun to uh, to talk to him not only about um horse racing but just the business 
of horse racing and how they look at that as a as a public company because that's got to be challenging um, in terms of just making money in a in a with 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 a racing uh, business is very difficult. Well, so. There's nothing bigger in the industry than Churchill Downs, and you know what's so remarkable about them, and we'll talk to him about this though, is to take a a sport that has gone from being a majority sport in the United States to you know really to some extent a marginalized sport but they still have this one or two day uh event which is global in nature and that's remarkable and that they've been able to maintain that standard and level of fanfare and if you you know if you ever have the opportunity to go you should grab it because there's nothing like those couple days and no the Kentucky Derby I mean it's it's right there with the Masters with you know the Super Bowl um I I the first time Kevin came to the Derby he told me he said I've been to World Cups. Mm-hmm. I've been to the Masters. I've been to the Super Bowl. He said, "There's not, there's not anything better it's than de- this. It's better than the Super Bowl. There's yeah. no doubt about that. No question. So, well, let's see if we can grab him. We are joined by Bill Karstangian, the CEO of Churchill Downs Incorporated. Um, like I said earlier, the parent company to Churchill Downs, and uh, notably the Kentucky Derby, and then also. Few other racetracks, including Arlington Fairgrounds and others, and then uh, also uh, a few casinos and a, a gaming company, a digital gaming company out out in uh, Seattle, I believe. So, Bill, we really, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. So, Bill, we um, we we talked earlier just about uh, kind of the business of horse racing, and I wanted to get just from you, your initial thoughts on the health of horse racing as a sport, um, and then how it relates to the business, you know, at Churchill Downs. But what, what are you seeing uh, in the industry in terms of gambling revenues, obviously, but just attendance and everything? What's the overall health of the sport in, in Churchill Downs eyes? In our sport, there's really been a flight to quality over the last number of years. Racing is a little bit different than some other major U.S. sports in the sense that while there's some seasons within the seasons, for example, the Triple Crown season and then and then the culmination in the fall with the Breeders' Cup, um, there is racing all year round all over the country. So what we've seen over the last number of years is there's an increasing focus by the American public and our fans on the seasons within the seasons. So the, the Triple Crown's been very, very healthy. Breeders' Cup has gotten healthier. Uh, big meets in the summertime like Del Mar and Saratoga have shown a lot of strength. So, so like the rest of the American sports landscape, things have been evolving. But for our company, it, it's been good. We've, we've spotted the trends. The trends favor us with, with Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby. So uh, it's it's just staying current and rolling with the times and listening to your customers because they always tell you what they like. And as long as you're listening, there's usually a, a good path forward. Well, you mentioned, you know, the, the obviously it's kind of like, like you say, the, the Saratogas and, and the Del Mars. Is there a way to recreate those type events or fair type meets um, around the country and, and, and with places like, Arlington or fairgrounds or you know some of the other properties that you have or is that just are those just special places that that people have gone to for a long time and they've become sort of romantic places to go I think it's easier when there's a history yeah you know when there when there's a, a, a past 
it, it's hard in the country to, to achieve kind of special or iconic status for something. There's a lot of things out there, a lot of content out there, a lot of different things out there, a lot of new events that are created. So it's easier. It's always easier when you've got a great place to start. And for example, we've had that with yep. the Kentucky Derby. But I, I would say that uh, you can create things. You just have to listen really carefully to your customer. And you also have to have the confidence to understand that, that sometimes less is more. Yep. And, and you got to start with something special and build on that. Um, so, uh, sometimes it can be hard to do that. Economics can put pressure on you or, or different constituents can put pressure on you, regulatory authorities or the horsemen or what have you. Um, um, but I do think there's always, always opportunities to create, um, uh, special meets and to improve on meets. I think what Saratoga's done is great. Uh, um, uh, Del Mar, there, there have been other places. So, um, so I think the possibilities are always there, but it doesn't mean there aren't challenges to doing it. But uh, you know, I, I, again, it comes back to the customer. You got to give the customer what they want. You have to listen yeah. to the customer and be watching the customer and hear the customer, because usually this isn't rocket science. Usually, the customer's telling you what they like. Is there a difference in the United States versus globally in terms of the importance of a sense of history and authenticity? You know, obviously. The secret sauce of the Derby is is number one the experience, but number two there is that that pedigree behind it, which I think for American horse racing is so important and uh, something you feel in the UK as well. But uh, there are other parts of the world. Um, Dubai is a good example. Hunter and I were lucky enough to go to the Dubai World Cup a couple of years ago, where maybe the experience piece is is as important, but the the tradition and the history is is a little different. How do you how do you evaluate the U.S. landscape versus the rest of the world from that perspective? I would say I've been in the company about 11 years, and I'd say the first seven or eight, um, we paid less attention internationally, or at least I did, because there, because I didn't I didn't quite understand the relevance. But um, now we may have wanted foreign races for our our Twin Spires, which is our online wagering platform, and we may have wanted to distribute our races uh, to the rest of the world. But we weren't paying attention to their on-track racing experience. And I'd say the last three or four years, that's really changed. You know, we've, uh, um, we've been out to Japan. We've been to uh, races in Ireland and to England and to France. And we've gotten a much better sense of what works there and how is it different from, from what we have in the United States. So I, I think we've, uh, while we may have been a little bit later than in retrospect I would have liked, we've we've woken up to the fact of the deep tradition everywhere around the world that there is with horse racing. And we try to take some lessons from, um, from what we see, but I would say, I wouldn't call it a cop out on my part. I would say that racing can be very strong in different parts of the world. For example, the United States is by no means the biggest racing jurisdiction, uh, in terms of wagering or attendance or anything else. Um, but, more than sort of the pomp and circumstance and, and history, which is a big part of it, especially if you go to a place like uh, uh, England or France, you know, some of these jurisdictions, you really see innovation on how they interact with their day-to-day customer. You know, how, how does wagering work there? Uh, what are the amenities on the racetrack? Uh, what's the marketing plan? What, what's the, 
what's what's the mood, what's the vibe on the track. There's been just a lot of lessons, and it's different in different parts of the world. But you know, racing is extremely healthy in places like Australia, and mm-hmm. you know, the Arc de Triomphe in France, extremely healthy. Japan, Hong Kong. Um, there, there's a lot out there that we can learn from. Yeah, you 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 mentioned uh, Australia. You know, we I I haven't had the chance to go over there yet, but the the sport is actually growing very rapidly in Australia, is it not? I, I don't know their year to year numbers. I would say generally for the size of their population, it's uh, pretty much a wow. Yeah, you know how much activity there is and how much attendance there is. Uh, but generally, can't tell you for sure if it grew in the last year. It may have. I just haven't seen the latest data. Yeah. But generally, it's a very healthy thing out there. Australia punches above its weight in sports in general, so yeah. it's it's not too surprising. I know that on the the Melbourne uh, Melbourne Cup day, the, the country oh, comes yeah. to a standstill. Right. The whole week, I think yeah. it's like a national holiday. Yeah. Uh, Bill- yeah, we've uh, I've never been to the Melbourne Cup, but uh, have been to Australian racing. And it, it's you know really interesting to go all the way around the world to Australia and find a place where, as an American, you can see so many similarities just in terms of the, the mood of the the uh, the culture and just just uh, I don't know just the the way the country is. It's a very friendly, easy to easy to understand country. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to horse racing, we've taken a lot of lessons when we we sat down with the, uh, some of the Australians before and. We've asked them, hey, well, you know, what's your focus? What's your market strategy? How does it work? What's your marketing uh, uh, strategies? Um, you know, we, we've taken a lot of uh, lessons from what we've observed um, them doing. What is the? Um, let's go back to, to Churchill Downs and and the Triple Crown for for just a minute. But you know, you you instituted the the new points system, I guess, a few years back. I think it's maybe in its third or fourth year. Um, and, and I know that's, that's been, you know, fairly successful. It's easy to follow, um, for just, you know, the lay person, but what about, I know I've floated this idea with, um, with some people that, you know, I think, but, um, what about, there's a Philly unique Bella and there was a a similar Philly last year in Songbird, but is there ever room for, uh, in that point system, reserving one spot for a freakish type filly like, like a unique Bella or like a a songbird for a special invite that may they may not be on the the Derby Trail with those races, but they perform well enough in their own races that you at least ex- extend a special invite so they had the option of entering the Derby. I thought you were going to say reserve one spot for Sagamore Farm. That, that, well, that'd be I that, you were that, grabbing that was, your moment. That was my next question. <laughs> There have been a couple categories of of kind of uh, wild cards to to try to come up with a term to capture this yeah. that we've talked a lot about, and, and the and the most significant category is the, the special filly. And you know, fillies always have the opportunity to to run with the boys sure. and qualify under points, just like any any boy would. Um, but there has been the notion of, you know, you, you don't really know you have that super special filling until after you've had a, 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 a season to, to race her. Then, then you kind of know what you have a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And by then it's a little late to go back and run against, run against the boys because some of the races have passed. So we, we have talked a lot about that. You know, you would think with something, I would just point out with something like the, the, the point system, 
that didn't come down from the mountain on a tablet. You know, we sure. we got together and we decided that we wanted to change how we did things. And, and uh, after tossing and turning, we decided to try it. And and so we we discussed a lot of different ways to modify it and to tweak it. And one way we're tweaking it this year is um, uh, creating a spot for a Japanese horse. Yeah. So you, you can see we're willing to try new things to see if we can get better horses, get more enthusiasm from different uh, points of the globe or different parts of the population. We're willing to try new things. And I would tell you, without revealing confidences, the Philly one is is the, the Philly wild card is one that gets a lot of internal discussion every year. And I don't know the answer to whether we'll pull the trigger and try it. I'm not sure. It's um, certainly I'm a loud voice in that discussion, but there's there are uh, uh, several voices in that discussion. Hunters, several those folks you know well. You probably know every one of them personally. We we you know weigh the pros and cons and and think it through. And and I guess the biggest con, if there is a con, I'm not saying it for lack of a better word, I'd use the word con. The biggest con is there isn't that special Philly every year. Right. So how do you design a how do you design a system where you, you capture or give the option to that special filly, but when that filly's not there, you're not using a spot that somebody else otherwise went out and earned? Because remember, every time you give up a spot, there's the guy that was going to get that spot that says, hmm, that, you, you just took my spot in the dirt. Right, right. It's balancing. It's just balancing that. Yeah, I, I hear you. And, and you know, I, I had the, not to – pontificate on my own ideas but <laughs> i had i the, thought that's what this <laughs> podcast was all about Hunter. <laughs> uh, i thought you could get you know a panel of of five independent you know horse people um to evaluate basically the phillies every year and you could have strict criteria obviously i don't think it's an every year thing in my in my opinion but the last two years i mean unique bella this year i may be the best horse i've seen um and 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 songbird was close last year as well so um but i i hear you it's not exactly an easy easy one to solve um but i'm glad it's getting at least internal discussion we might try it and it is there are a couple advocates internally for it and and um and i'm very open-minded to it so we might give it a shot but my one thing is one one thesis for us you know one one rule for us is that the horse has to earn it on the race course. Sure. That it's, that it's never a old wise man saying, and thou shalt get in. It's always, <laughs> it's always the horse earned it on the race course. The rules were the rules and, uh, the horse, the horse met the rules and the horse earned the spot. So that's, that's one, um, rule, rule of the road that we decided when we started this, that, that we would try to adhere to that whoever was in it and whatever the criticisms from those who are not in it, whether they like the rules or not, they would be able to objectively look at the rules and say, well, I may not like that rule, but that horse earned that spot based on the rules. So that, that would be one tweak. We'll never turn it over, in my view. Um, we're, we're not likely to ever turn it over to uh, judgment. Sure. It'll, it'll, sure. Um, sure. You have to earn it on the racetrack. Yep. 
So, Bill, uh, I want to make sure we talk about whiskey for a minute too, because that obviously goes hand in hand. But uh, you know, while I have you, I, I'm I love the sport, but I don't consider myself an expert. So, uh, is Hunter any good at his job? <laughs> Does he, he he talks a really good game about yeah. about the horses, yeah. but I just want to make sure he's he's actually he's been around the track a little bit, right? Yeah, Hunter actually really is and knows his stuff, and uh, comes he has has his own pedigree of. Uh, <laughs> Of where he came from and how he learned it, so uh, you got a good one there. Just yeah. just listen to him and you'll do fine. On, on the horse <laughs> so side. so far so good. I'll tell you, we got a happy. Farm. I don't know on the whiskey side. I don't know. I don't know his pedigree on whiskey, but did, on the horse did, racing side for sure. Bill, did you get the? I, I sent you a bottle of rye. We I think we couriered it to your office. Did you get that? I did. I'm, I'm actually looking at it and uh, I love it. I, I, I'm collect. I'm a collector. Are I don't you? have a. I don't have an extravagant collection or anything like that. But, you know, bourbon and whiskey and horse racing are tied together. So yeah. there are some pretty unique bottles and some unique offerings out there. And over, over time, I've been fortunate enough to receive them as gifts or acquire them, buy them. So I've, I've uh, got a little collection going, a modest collection going. So I was thrilled to, to get this. Good, good. Well, before I let you go, I want to I ask you about, you know, the Kentucky Derby. I, tell us about being uh the leader of that enterprise and that brand um and how humbling that must be i I know we talked about before you came on but the kentucky derby um is in my opinion i mean i'm biased obviously but it's the greatest sporting event that you can attend uh live and uh you know we we talked about this as well but kevin the first time he went to the derby he said I've been, you know, to all the big ones, and this is better. And um, so, talk about being the leader of that that franchise and 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 that brand. It's it's got to be humbling. Sure, it's um, first. I'm a very lucky person. Um, I was fortunate to be born in a, a house where I got to grow up and focus on the right things, and and I've had tremendous fortune and good luck and. Uh, nowhere is that more evident than, you know, the opportunity to lead Churchill Downs. It's um, nobody deserves this. Nobody, nobody just uh, is owed it. It's, uh, it, it's a, a great opportunity and a great honor to, to be in a position to, to serve this company and to serve the people that work in this company um, and to be a part of this great event. And, uh, um, one day uh, I'll, I'll look and say I'm tired and I don't enjoy this. And, and, and that's when I shouldn't be there anymore. As much as, as much work as it is, as much effort, as much, you know, risk and as many decisions that have to be made on the fly and over the long term, I enjoy every day of it. I'm lucky to be in a position to, to, to do a job like this and to work with the people that I work with. And, um, and while it can be a little exhausting during that particular week of that, during that day, it's also incredibly energizing. So, uh, those of us who work in the company today, we are the beneficiaries of 143 years of, of practice. And that institutional knowledge is something that infuses, you know, the very bones of the place, uh, in addition to the people. So there's a lot of know-how on how to do an event like this. Uh, but I think also we've got a good culture of 
um, of, of valuing our know-how and uh, nurturing our know-how, but also popping our head up and looking around to see what else is going on in the country that would make our event better. Because our true legacy, uh, even as a 143-year-old company, our true legacy has been our willingness to change over time. We, we've evolved with the time, and that's why we're here 143 years after the first time this was run. That's why we're here, because these people that have worked in this place now and well before me and this place itself, we've been willing to change with our customers and with the time so that, so that we keep what we do relevant to the customer that walks through the door tomorrow, not just the customer that walked through the door 100 years ago. And you deliver for your for your customer and the experience, but you've also delivered for your shareholders in a remarkable way, and that's that's not to be taken for granted. It's really impressive. They they are tied together. You know, if you give your customer what you like, what they like, uh, the economics are a little bit easier to go capture. Mm-hmm. Still, nothing easy about it. You know, it's really you, oh you, yeah, it's well, credit well, to your team. Thank you, we appreciate it, and it's not easy. But um, you know, listening to those customers and and kind of recognizing. I think it's one thing to say, well, listen to your customers, but I, I think it, it's harder to realize that what your customers say change changes. They, they do change. Customers do change. They do have different expectations. They do want different things over time. So, they, so being willing to be true to what you've always been, but morphing the experience and, and modifying the experience sort of respectfully so that, that you can keep up with expectations, that's that's something that I think we've got in our DNA right now. I think we've got that right now. It's something we think about and talk about, but um, you have to prove that every day. Well, Bill, we really, really appreciate the the, uh, the conversation and uh, appreciate you coming on and taking some time for us. Um, we will definitely see you on the first Saturday in May, and hopefully uh, we'll see you the third Saturday as well if you choose to come up to Baltimore. But um, it's great to talk to you as always. That's great. Thanks, guys. I appreciate being on with you all. See you, see you soon. See you soon. Bill, thanks so much. Well, thank you to Bill Karstangen, CEO of Churchill Downs, for joining us today. That was uh, obviously a thrill for, for me. You know, it's uh, Churchill Downs is a place I grew up. I, I, I went there every, seemed like every day as a kid. I mean, they, they were open more days then, but... Um, it was, uh, I, I grew up there, you know, my brother and I, and I just got so many memories there. So it's really cool to have him on and talking about the future and the past and all that, but, um, really a neat, really a neat deal. So, uh, thank you to him. Uh, obviously, uh, thank you to Tom Geddes as well for, for stepping in for Brian. This won't be the last time it will do. I don't know if we probably don't have the money to get three microphones, but, um, <laughs> we can probably get, figure out a way to get, uh, get Brian and you back in together at some point too. Um, but thank you for joining us. That was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm no Brian Tracy. That's for sure. He's a, <laughs> he's a very special guy and a great leader doing terrific work, building out a team over at Sagamore spirit. And, uh, he's got a big challenge on his hand now moving into a distillery and essentially turning on a factory and, uh, building a, a tour experience and visitor center all at the same time. Yeah, it is, it is going to be world-class and Brian is the man to get it done. So is April, is, is April 21st a real date? Uh, did I see that? Yeah, I think, uh, I think by, that, by late April, I yeah, think late we'll, April, we'll be taking tours we'll, through. We'll so. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so Sagamore, at Sagamore Spirit, at Sagamore Racing on Twitter and Instagram, Sagamore Racing and Sagamore Spirit on Facebook, sagamorespirit.com, 
sagamoreracing.com. You can rate us on, if you really like what you're hearing, I need my mom or somebody to go on there and put five stars on the iTunes thing. I don't know how you get in that. You know, you go into the iTunes podcast and you go, it says like, it's 150 podcasts mm-hmm. or whatever. I don't, how do you, I don't know how we break into that, but we need ratings. We need ratings. We do. So, so my, my Uber rating is 4.82 Yeah, and I'm trying to, you know, keep pushing it up. So I'm, I'm extra polite. I don't take too many. Well, minutes, I think, so I think you would, if you give me a five for this, I'd appreciate it. You that would be too. considered a, a, a listener. I can't actually go on and rate it, but uh, you, cause you're a guest host. Yeah. So you would be considered a listener. You could go on and rate this thing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make all of my Uber drivers rate the podcast <laughs> yeah, before I will exactly. give them five stars, and then we'll uh, make them turn that, it make them turn it on at least. That, that will add up really quick. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tom. Thank you, uh, Bill. Uh, again, brought to you by uh, Sagamore Spirit, uh, authentic Maryland, authentic whiskey. I think is their their line. So uh, appreciate it, and we will see you guys soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.